0: Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Must ask permission to know it and be known. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. What I hear in what Thomas is saying to us is that as much as prison can be a literal place of confinement, it can also be that state of being, that state of being where we are cut off from life and relationship because we have lost our way. And who amongst us hasn't been lost at some point? Like the forest in the poem that knows where you are, that finds you, I think that we in this church do that with and for each other. We find each other when we've lost our way. But once we're found, that isn't the end of the story. Whether we are moving through life alongside members of our community returning from prison or accompanying members of our congregation through the many things in life that lead us to lose our way, part of our sacred work Part of getting unlost is telling a new story. I say unlost because I don't want to suggest that any of us know what found looks like or that any of us know where the end lies. We are all casting questions into the deep here. But one thing that I did learn in my time working with Thomas and the other men I got to know is that naming and the stories that we carry really, really matter. Naming matters, stories matter, and they matter not just for people who have been convicted of crimes, but for victims as well. These stories can be a heavy burden, but they matter also because stories have the power to shape our world. I can't help but think about the way we interact with babies. When my kids were little, I found myself naming everything we're holding and rocking and changing. We name things. What's that? Always with the big eyes, right? What's that? It's a tree. Look at the tree. What's over there? It's a diaper. Let's go change your diaper. So from a very, very early age, we are, we are teaching words, sure. But more than that, we're teaching naming, bringing something out of the realm of the abstract and into the realm of our agency. We can do something with the things that we name. And one of the things we can do is tell ourselves stories about it. And we model this too. Where's that person going? Is that person going to work or to the store? Where's the spoon of applesauce going? It's going into your mouth. And we amplify the storing behavior as we start to teach accountability and responsibility, modeling and encouraging the kinds of stories we'd like to see our kids tell. Stories about sharing, about taking responsibility. None of this happens very quickly, but it all happens through a set of stories that reflect and reinforce a set of internal process connected to cognition and behavior. We very literally story our children into being. And in those habit patterns of naming and storying, there's also a danger that crops up. And the danger is this. We fuse names and people. So that's Tim, the mailman, or Sarah, the doctor, or John, the teacher. And we do this beyond the realm of vocation, too. That homeless man, or that refugee family, or the addict, or the ex-con, or the felon. Our naming becomes labeling, and those labels become a single name, an attendant story, whose normative weight, whose social weight threatens and often succeeds in overshadowing everything else about a person. The person has become that story to the exclusion of all else. And oftentimes it is not a story that they chose for themselves. It is an act of shocking violence when you think about it. At least it is, we see it when we do it with children, imagine how you feel when you hear another adult calling a child stupid for failing a test or lazy for not cleaning up or some other name for somehow falling short. If you're a parent, imagine how you've felt when you've perhaps, in a heated moment, felt those words slip out of your mouth. I am embarrassed to say that I have been guilty of this. When we do it to children, it cuts to the heart of us because we know we can see instantly how awful it is. The thing is, the violence, the awfulness, does not change when we as a society do it to adults. In this church, we have become fond of the phrase, there is no such thing as other people's children. It expresses so many of the theological ideas that we hold dear, that we are all deeply interconnected, that we must care for all children as if they are our own and for me it opens up the possibility that if I care for other children as if they are mine then you the adults who were those children are mine too. Those children are still in us as adults, still part of us. Our souls are still as tender today as they were the day that we were born And so the violence that we do when we collapse, the wholeness of a being into one small, painful story is exactly where the new story needs to take root. That pinpoint spot is our point of leverage from which to help each other and the wider world tell a new story, a story of love, a story of grace and wholeness, of the fact that we can always, no matter what, no matter how many times we've fallen, begin again in love. It is that place at which we can intercede with a new story that makes some space, that separates the person from whatever story they are carrying, so that they can breathe, move, and start to flourish. And how we do it is really quite simple. We put the person first. Thomas is not a felon, he is a person who was convicted of a crime and was incarcerated. Those of us in this congregation who struggle with anxiety or depression or mental illness are not addicts, are not mentally ill, but rather are people who are struggling with and living with and working with addiction, mental illness, and depression. Any place where we see we're fusing together a person and a problem is a place where we can intercede with a new story, putting, a per- putting the person first. And I want to encourage you all to look within and see if you have the interest and desire to accompany people leaving prison. One of the truths about prison is that most people in prison will get out. And as Thomas noted, life is built upon and growth occurs when we accompany another person through life. Given this and given that most incarcerated people will get out, the question of how we're welcoming them back into our communities is critical. If you think you might be interested in this, talk to one of us after the service. We are all more than a single story. We are all more than the worst thing that we've ever done. We can all always begin again in community and in love. May it be so, and amen.